on today's expose. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this character because I, I love Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> so excite. Oh, yes. Right. Like, I feel like there's nobody who doesn't like Rogue. Like, either she's like one of your favorites or at least you like her. But there's mm-hmm. nobody who's like, oh, Rogue, she's so stupid or so annoying because she's so right. cool. She's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, so this is Anna Marie, and she uh, debuted in Avengers Annual Number 10 in 1981. And much like we see in the episode today, she starts as a villain, Kevin. A villain. A villain. Yeah, she's a villain in Miss Marvel, led by Mystique. And she actually uh, nearly kills Miss Marvel, drains her of her powers, puts her in a coma. And then that's where she gets the flight and that's where she gets the super strength. And she is actually haunted by memories for a little while after this happens. And one thing that I really liked about X-Men is she debuted in 81 and then she um, in 83 is when she joins the X-Men, but they don't welcome her with open arms. They're like, bitch, you were evil like five minutes ago. Like we don't trust you. <laughs> so she had to go through her her uh, phase where they just didn't want to work with her. And she almost like risks her life to save Colossus. She goes out with Wolverine and he tests her metal and she's slowly like taken into the fold. Trials and tribulations. I've had my Yep, share. exactly. <laughs> and it looks like here, let's see. She was number five on IGN's top 25 X-Men list in 2006, number four on the top 10 X-Babes list in 2006, number three on Marvel's list of top 10 toughest females in 2009, and was given number one X-Man on comic book readers' top 50 X-Men of all time in 2008. So she always hits pretty high on that list. (laughs) But funny that you gave Rogue's backstory because it's very fitting for this episode. What? Qua? Qua? Did I guess correctly from last week? Yes. <laughs> it's funny. I said it was either one or the other and it ended up being both. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. I go. I want to go. Gene. Jean? So welcome to this week's Hanging with the Hollowells. Today we're going to be Hanging talking Hanging with the Hollowells? About- oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Solving for X. See, I already miss you on Hanging with Hollowells, Kevin. <laughs> I know. It's so weird that there's nothing else left. Uh. Yeah. My name is Sean. I'm the ultimate excavationist. And I'm something of an X-fan myself. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> So, Kevin, before you get into stuff, there was, like, some big announcements last week at, I think it's called um, Comic-Con? Is San that Diego Comic-Con, to be exact. Yes, yeah, San Diego, the big one. The big one. 
So I thought, you know, for our listeners, we should talk about some of these updates that came out. Yes, please. So I think the biggest one on everybody's minds right now is <laughs> Magneto's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are like in a tizzy. Yeah, and this is something that um, I had actually our friend Adrian who listens. Hi, Adrian, friend of the Hi. pod. He actually wrote me and he's like, girl, what's up with this outfit? And it actually is an outfit Magneto wore in the late 80s. And it's very fitting because he wore it at a time when Professor X, I'm being careful to tread lightly and not ruin too much. uh, When Professor X was not with the X-Men anymore for a time, he actually left the team in a way. And Magneto took over because at that point, Magneto saw the light and he wanted to carry on a yeah. Uh, Professor X's dream. So that was the outfit he wore while he led them. Yeah. I so mean, it has a purpose. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I mean, I. it's different. It's off the wall. It's unique. I love the little black and pink and M. I'm M. I'm very M-E. <laughs> yeah. I think what everybody's talking about most is the gloves. <laughs> Those are some drag gloves. Like, he could join Mr. Sinister and Strife on RuPaul's Drag Race. I know. Oh, Oh, love the gloves. Yeah, it's it's kind of very Sailor Moon gloves. Like, how high they go and, like, yeah, I don't know. It's very draggy. I like it. That's true. I think um, another big uh, one that we got is it looks like there may be a secondary team, which is this is something that – Eric Lewald talked about wanting to do with the original shows. He wanted to kind of switch some people out, maybe kill some people, (laughs) but uh, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) So it looks like though in the X-Men 97, we're getting a kind of a secondary team, but it's like big dick energy. There's like no woman on the secondary team. (laughs) (laughs) So it looks like we have returning from the series. We have Nightcrawler, Forge, Bishop, Cable, morph with his weird like his white face yeah. yeah and newcomer sunspot yeah yeah so i'm curious to see how they're going to explain this more maybe he's just like just like the morph we saw in the 90s show is his just go-to disguise and this is his true self yeah maybe he just wants to leave behind that original morph face because yeah. it has yeah. such bad memories sure yeah, yeah but I wonder, too, if this is, like, a time-traveling team, if this is going to be, like, their version of X-Force or what this team may be. Oh, it's going to be so interesting. I can't wait to cover it on this podcast. What? (laughs) I know. And, like, originally he said he wanted the team to be, I'm going off memory here, but Bishop, Shard, Psylocke, Archangel, and Nightcrawler, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that... It had such like big female energy, and now we've kind of dropped all of that right. energy. If this is a team, it could just be them announcing these characters are going to show up throughout it. Right. Still so much. So <laughs> I had a thought, Kevin, as okay. I was kind of like getting these episodes together. I had another thought for who Allison Court could be voicing, and I wanted to share it with you. Okay. I think for the time period that X-Men 97 may be taking place with like Magneto, it would make a lot of sense if we had Rachel Summers come from the future. Uh, (laughs) Gasp! Yes! Okay, that would be great. 
I oh think that would be great. And the reason why I think like that might be a viable option is the fact that Eric and Julia did want to have Scott and Jean have a baby in season two. True. And that would kind of be fulfilling that in the yeah. continuation. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I love so, it. Are you more excited if it's Rachel, Magic, or Shadowcat? <laughs> uh, well, probably I would eliminate Shadowcat, even though it should be fine. It's not the most interesting. I definitely would want Magic or Rachel, I think. Yeah. Or we could be wrong about all of these because they also put out a shot of the villains who are announced for X-Men 97. And amongst the ones that are kind of um, ones that we know, they have a woman in a short like dr- like business skirt. <laughs> I believe that's going to be Valerie Cooper who worked for the government, but she kind of worked for and against mutants at different times to kind of depending on like what suited her needs. So maybe that's who Alison Court's going to voice. (laughs) (laughs) So also in this picture, we show uh, the businesswoman. We show Sebastian Shaw, Mr. Sinister, Emma. I'm so excited to get more Emma. And yeah. Callisto is amongst the ranks. I'm wondering how that's going to play oh, out. Callisto. And White Queen. Yes. White Queen. White Queen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So that brings us to our previously on. Previously on. Yeah. What was the yeah. question? Yeah. <laughs> the question was. Uh, did Gene have a responsibility to tell Cyclops that Cable That's is their right. son? That's right. So we had a 74% that, yes, she did have a responsibility to tell him. So it was pretty high in that favor. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that probably comes from people who are in a relationship that want to have that communication going for a healthy relationship. So, Yeah. That makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, especially when your baby's like the most powerful mutant ever. <laughs> you know? You know. More power to you. <laughs> All right. So today we're starting with the Rogue's Tale. This actually previewed or aired January 8th, 1994. So we have been on for almost two years now with the show. We are in the brand new year of 1994, the year that Lion King came out. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this was written by Robert N. Skier and Marty Eisenberg, directed by Larry Houston. And this was mostly based on Uncanny X Men 269 and Avengers Annual number 10, which we just said was Rogue's um, first appearance. So in these, we get kind of a very similar story, but um, instead of Carol being in a coma, She's actually like slowly withering away, which is why we see the gross Carol in this episode because it's oh, reminiscent of that. I was wondering wondering what that was. I'm like, is there a demon inside her too that's like possessing her? I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I was very confused because I knew the Carol part. But I'm like, I don't know that creature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Rogue actually um, goes to find Carol's ex-boyfriend and that's kind of how she atones throughout it so they kind of just simplified that story and made it just a very personal journey i feel yeah yeah all right so lightning crashes and rain pours over a woman with a red umbrella very like resident evil i feel like it was oh yeah 
her crazy man tries, yeah <laughs> <laughs> which the new resident evil show came out on netflix i watched it it's actually pretty good i need to man i don't have time for these things i don't know how you do it <laughs> i don't know how i do it either <laughs> Um, a man tries to steal her umbrella, but she turns into a Karen. I'm an alien monster that will eat your face off. Watch it. (laughs) (laughs) The lady enters an abandoned building, lights a candle, and shifts into Mystique. She meets with Turbo. Shift into Turbo. (laughs) I'm almost done with... um, Mystic Force. It's so good. I love it. Mystique Force. Oh. Mystique Force. <laughs> Shift it to Mystique Force. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> she meets with Mr. Sinister, who tells her the X-Men are Xavierless. He tells her to help bring him the X-Men and she'll get Rogue back in return. Your daughter. Your daughter. So this I don't know how you feel. I don't feel like this was needed. No. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's just like, I'm sinister. I'm sending you away. <laughs> and that's all you see of him. <laughs> yeah. And it, in my opinion, it just neuters Mystique again because she can't do anything on her own. She needs right. a man to tell her what to do. And that's exactly. not her character. She should have had her own motivation. She could have figured out their Xavier list without him. Yeah. You know? I don't know. And what's interesting in the comics, she's always been her own leader, but I think I mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. There is one time she does work for someone, and it's Mr. Sinister. And she yeah. only does it because uh, Rogue is in a coma from her powers go- flaring up and like her having too many minds inside her. So she thinks Mr. Sinister is the man who can save Rogue. So that's the uh, only reason why she works with him, but she ends up betraying him and killing him. You know? <laughs> Such the mystique way. There you go. That is the mystique way. <laughs> <laughs> Scene two. At what looks to be the saddest farmer's market <laughs> ever. <laughs> Pyro, Avalanche, and Blob. The dream team is back. They attack. Enter the X-Men. Rogue reports that she sees a fat boy and a pair of juvenile delinquents. Now that the X-Men are here, Pyro declares their job and bounces. No, their job done and bounces. Yes. Did you notice Blob gets really excited about the ice cream? Tootie fruity. And then it's it says vanilla. vanilla. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? Did, like you should have somebody should have changed the line for you, I'm sorry, because it's still vanilla for the rest of the sequence. You know, he's eating <laughs> vanilla, it spills vanilla. Got the white drippings on everybody. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Tutti Fruity, my Tutti favorite. Fruity. <laughs> Ooh. I can't read. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have no flavor senses. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Anything counts. <laughs> and once again, Avalanche just sounds so dumb, too. Yeah. Yeah. Why did Pyro make an X in fire? I don't know. I'm like, you're not an X-Men. Why are you acting like you're an X-Men? It's probably like, X-Men, right here, come to me. Yeah, to me, my X-Men. <laughs> burn. <laughs> Feel the burn. So it's interesting because one of the creators of um, Freedom Force, which is 
basically what this team is, uh, kind of gave this episode a little crap. He's like, this is probably one of the best rogue episodes, but he said he just didn't like the depiction of these three because they're so goofy. <laughs> he actually said he feels like the best depiction of Blob, and you're going to like this, is the Blob from Pride of the X-Men because he was actually oh. a little more dangerous. Yes, yes, he was. And he said the best depiction of Pyro would have been the Pyro from X-Men Evolution. Mm. Mm. So there is some good with that cartoon, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interessant. No, I'm actually excited if we do end up uh, reviewing that show, too, because I've never watched it all the way through. Wow. Um, yeah. So this would be an excuse to, like, finish it for once. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I did watch that all the way through. So... I have a perk of that, even though I probably don't remember any of it, but I did watch it all the way through. So yeah. <laughs> interesting. I have had some people ask if we're going to do Wolverine and the X-Men, which I freaking love that cartoon. I was so sad when it didn't get continued. I know. And I actually had somebody ask if we're going to do um, the motion comics. Yeah. Ah, I love it. <laughs> I got things. <laughs> you got things. <laughs> So, yeah, some ideas for the future. Okay. A few shots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Elsewhere, Blob is busily eating Tutti Fruity ice cream. <laughs> he throws it at Storm and bounces Rogue with his stomach. While Rogue is recovering, she sees a blonde woman standing over her and goes all wonky. <laughs> yep. She does her bird scream again, which I'm not going to do, but she does it. Yeah, thanks. I like my earbuds where they are. Thank mm-hmm. you. I loved when a Blob throws the ice cream at Storm. No, you can't yeah. have any. <laughs> then he throws it at her anyway. It's like, you just gave it to her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Blob. Oh, Blob. <laughs> okay. Rogue is in a dream state where people from her lifetime flash by. She sees the blonde woman screams and then wakes up in the infirmary with Gambit and Cyclops watching over her. Rogue reveals that Professor X was working with her a few weeks ago on unlocking her memories. She thinks now that the professor is gone, the memories are coming to the surface. In comes Jean. She has been searching for the blonde woman. She really gets around. Oh, she really gets around. Winky face. (laughs) Jean shows Rogue images of the blonde woman standing obviously in different locations. Look, there she is. And there she is. It's almost like she wants to be found. Interesting. (laughs) Rogue says she needs hair. (laughs) And flies off. Oh, air. Oh, air. (laughs) Like, oh. <laughs> I need hair, hair, sugar. <laughs> Long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, steaming, flax and wax. Okay, but yes, yes. Interesting. Interesting, yes. All right. <laughs> Outside, Wolverine is chopping wood, Wolverine style, when Rogue flies in. Wolverine is suddenly the blonde woman. Rogue gets mad and chops the tree trunk Wolverine was working on. It explodes for some reason. (laughs) Wolverine is thrown back. Rogue hears the blonde woman's voice and hits Gambit thinking he's her. Rogue freaks out and flies back to the manor. I love this though. because She's like, leave me alone. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, whoa. Oh, Lenore's side. <laughs> it was epic. You're epic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Scene six. In the manor, Rogue is looking for Jean. She happens upon Cyclops. Uh, same difference. <laughs> Cyclops <laughs> is suddenly the blonde woman. Rogue is pulled into the lower depths of her mind, where the blonde woman reigns supreme. She blames Rogue for taking her life. Rogue comes to top. Oh. <laughs> What? Rogue comes to on top of Cyclops. Oh. <laughs> no pegging today. Maybe in another lifetime. Um, I wrote this quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rogue comes to top Cyclops. Well. Uh, <laughs> in front of Gene. Awkward. Rogue is not herself. She acts as if she doesn't know who Scott and Jean are. Jean mentally subdues Rogue and probes her mind. She finds the blonde woman. Rogue flies off angrily. <laughs> I do think it's a really cool shot when she flies through the manor, the manor ceilings, but I have questions. <laughs> oh, tell me more. She flies through Storm's greenhouse, and then she flies further up and flies through a roof. And I'm like, shouldn't the greenhouse be, like, where the sun is? Like, glass? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't pay that much attention. I'm just like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, it does look really cool. It's a great shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Storm flies over New York following Ragu. Rogue lands on the Statue of Liberty. She's upset that the only person who can help her is the professor who is missing. She is visited by the blonde lady once more who taunts her to follow. She leads Rogue to the hospital where Rogue put her. Rogue breaks into the hospital. She is like <laughs> punching through everything. Yeah. She's like, ah, I'm going to punch under this elevator. I'm going to burst open these doors. I'm going to go through everywhere. Like, oh, there you are. <laughs> and then she ends up just walking by the room anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the music in this scene. Like, it was so dark when she's sitting there with Storm and going on her rampage. Like, it was good. Yeah. Beautiful. You're beautiful. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Scene eight. As Rogue flees into the hospital, Mystique watches from the roof. Storm flies by and Mystique shifts to Rogue and tells Storm she's in the hospital. Storm follows, but Blob comes out of hiding and knocks Storm down. Mystique knocks her out with hairspray. <laughs> what gives a girl power and punch? Is it charm? Is it poise? No, it's hairspray. Okay, stop with these musicals. Anyway. I'm sorry. I keep bringing them up. <laughs> <laughs> and then calls the X-Men over the communicator, come in Zordon, and tells the team to report to Midtown Hospital immediately. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Kevin, Midtown High. This is like, this is Marvel lore here. This is where Spider-Man goes. It is. Yeah, this is exciting. I love the like cross-pollination. That does happen in the series too. Yeah, all because of Mr. Larry Houston. See, see, the man. See, see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back in the hospital, Rogue searches for Sleeping Beauty. She passes by the room where the blonde woman sleeps. Yeah, because they're like, this is our Jane Doe. We call her Sleeping Beauty because nobody's claimed her. Oh, Sleeping Beauty. (laughs) Aurora. Scene 10. Outside, it is now, somehow, daytime when the X-Men arrive. Blob falls down from above. With the help of Avalanche and Pyro, Mystique reveals herself and tells the Cyclops, Gambit, and Wolverine they're going to pay for taking something that belongs to her. Cyclops blasts them free and they engage in combat with Mystique's cronies as Mystique takes off. Storm uses a hurricane to throw the idiots into the building next door, ending the fight. She announces they need to get back into the hospital. A shapeshifter is after Rogue. So there's something about the scene that bothers me. Do you know what it is? What? Oh, 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 because Cyclops doesn't do his finger? No, actually, that's I'm a little more okay with that. Yeah, I was okay with that, too. Okay. Part of the blob's power is nothing can move him. Like, once his feet are on the ground, you can't move the blob. Sure. So Storm, like, blows him away with a hurricane. That's got to be a strong freaking hurricane. Mm. Mm. And, like, it would work if his feet are still attached to the cement. Like, he sure. takes a chunk with him. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. yeah. That's a small thing to complain about. It's but I just thing. had to point it out. <laughs> yeah, well, well, thank you. That's, you know, all the little details are important yeah i loved the uh i loved when blob held down wolverine he's like eat sidewalk and wolverine was like need salt salt. i have that in my notes too i love that we can make notes of the same thing like that is so random but i I love it (laughs) need salt need salt (laughs) come come to wisconsin in the winter you'll find plenty of it on the sidewalk just saying Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's how we melt our icicles. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the hospital, Rogue walks calmly through the halls looking for the blonde. I can't wait till we can call her by her name. But <laughs> because there could be people watching or listening for the first time, I kept putting blonde woman. <laughs> See? Mystique comes up on the elevator and shifts into Blondie. Rogue chases her to the blonde woman's room. Mystique reveals herself and admits that she's been trying to get Rogue into this room to confront her past. She offers to let Rogue absorb her memories to remember. Mystique faints from the strain and Rogue turns blue. Oh, I'm blue. Dabba dee dabba die. <laughs> okay. Uh, Twelve. Mm-hmm. In Rogue's memories, we see her walking the banks with Cody, her first love. Ooh. Hey, girl. What's up, girl? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she gets her first kiss from Cody and absorbs his strength. We see Rogue being yelled at by her dad, who doesn't... <laughs> I put, Daddy, please! 
oh, put no. on a shirt that fits. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was so short on him. Like, ew. <laughs> but we see Rogue being yelled at by her dad who doesn't want her. She's a mutant. We see Rogue run away to find her mama who taught her how to use her power. Rogue is about to fly away on a plane when the group is attacked by Ms. Marvel. As Rogue goes to steal the jet, Ms. Marvel follows. Mystique tells Rogue to hold on and drain Ms. Marvel, putting her in a coma, giving Rogue her powers permanently. For some reason, I always have Blob's voice in my head going, It's Miss Ms. Marvel! <laughs> I love like, it. That's Ms. Marvel to you! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Miss Marvel! That's Ms. Marvel to you, Dragon. It's interesting, too, because, like, it made me realize even back in 94, January 94, um, the dad is wearing an American flag. And we're kind of going through that today. Like the people who display the flags are usually like the ones who are not American to me. <laughs> like they right. want to return to an America that was a lot less tolerant. It's so crazy. It's so bizarre. And that's why it's like every time 4th of July comes, it's like, I don't feel like celebrating this. I'm like, uh, uh. I, that's why I start putting, I put on my Captain America cosplay with my Wakanda shield. And then I'm like, okay, I feel good. <laughs> okay. That's good. I like that. Yeah, because yeah, because it's like I'm proud of living in America because we are more free than other places. But it's like you're right. I don't, I don't own anything with the flag because I don't. It's like if you put that up, then suddenly yeah. you're, everybody knows exactly what your beliefs mm-hmm. are. You know what I mean? No, yeah, you're you're primitive thinking, and you're yeah. It's just like, uh, and everyone's just like, I'm proud to be an American. Where at least I know I'm free. I got my guns. It's like, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, you don't want to be associated with it. And so like when I travel or I talk to people in other countries, I'm just like, I'm American. I know. I know. I I've heard some drag queens say, they say they're Canadian just to like avoid the whole thing. Right. right. Oh, so embarrassing. I know. <laughs> Well, back in the present, Rogue is mad at Mystique for forcing her to put Carol in a coma. She has another flashback of learning to use the powers, but also being haunted by Carol. We can say her name now. Yeah. Rogue left and was found by Professor X. He offered to help her by pushing back the memories. He offered to quiet Miss Marvel until he could help her more. So in the comics, it's explained that Professor X has issues with helping Rogue with Carol because of Carol's Cree side. Because mm. originally, um, Carol is imbued with the powers of the Cree, but it's it only recently, like I think four years ago, everything was kind of retconned, saying that Carol's mom was a Cree warrior who came to Earth, fell in love with her human dad, and then hid her heritage. So that's why wow. Carol took to the powers so easily because she was already part Cree. Strange. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's recent, girl, and they still haven't addressed it in the movie. Wow. Well, I. What bothers me in this scene is <laughs> Professor X is like mutant, mutant. I feel <laughs> I your that. pain. I'm like, you know her name by this point. Just call her Rogue, <laughs> don't you think? Because he, when she, when she comes down, she's like Rogue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, like, what a weirdo. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a weird line to me too. Just mutant, mutant. Like that's not going to make me be like, oh, that I know. guy knows what I am. I'm going to fly down to him. I'm going right. to be like that asshole. <laughs> Such an asshole. <laughs> Uh, 14. Rogue uncontrollably starts shapeshifting until she is overtaken by Ms. Marvel. It's Ms. Marvel! The X-Men come in looking for Rogue. Gambit somehow recognizes her while she's still Ms. Marvel. Carol exerts control and flies off with Mystique. Storm gives chase, but she's not fast enough. Instead, Jean attacks with her mind. Did you notice that Gambit goes share before, like, she's still Miss Marvel when he says it. So she starts shifting back, but he knows. He can he smell knows. her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is love right there. If you can still recognize. Because, like, we saw with y'all Hollowell sisters, they couldn't even recognize each other. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Although she can sense Coop, even though she barely knew, knew him only for a few weeks. She's like. Oh, we know each other. We're we're in simpatico in the future. Okay, I called him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, <laughs> you know. In Rogue's mind, Jean witnesses Carol and Rogue fighting. Carol wants to kill Rogue and take her body. Jean plays babysitter and tells them that if Rogue dies here, so does her body. Jean and Rogue work together to trap Carol in a concrete box. I was like, I mean, I get it, but I was like, poor Ms. Marvel. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she just wants her life back and then just trap her away. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I understand, but. Uh. <laughs> I know. It's a very, like, questionable story. And I think that's kind of, like, why we like Rogue, because she's mm-hmm. always tormented. You know what I right. mean? Um, and it's, I think it is very nice that she feels regret and sympathy for this you know she's she's she is tormented by this action because she knows this is not what she wanted to do this not this doesn't feel right to her but she there's no she doesn't know how to process it otherwise otherwise she'll be eaten up completely other you know or she killed them both you know like they said so yeah yeah what's the it's hard to know what's right well and it kind of sucks i think for rogue because she didn't want to do it in the first place mystique Mm -hmm. Mystique forced her but she she had an option at that point so she could have let go on her own but she didn't want to disappoint mystique Mm -hmm. but then on top of that professor x like erased her memories which i mean i guess we could say he had to but it's still like she didn't get a chance to even try to atone because she didn't even know what happened for a long time yeah Rogue wakes up from the astral battle, and so does Jean. She tells Cyclops, it's over. Rogue lands with Mystique and turns her back on her once more. Rogue tells Mystique that she only ever wanted to use her for her powers. She flies off with Storm. She's like, I'm an X-Men now. I'm never coming back to you. (laughs) (laughs) So I put here, even though Mystique is a vapid bitch... I do feel sorry for her because I feel like she does truly love Rogue, like even though she does use her, but there is love there. Like she's just going about it the wrong way, trying to get through to her. Mm -hmm. And you can understand. I like that. Yeah. It's almost like uh, Paul talked about this when he was on for uh, Come the Apocalypse. (laughs) One of the ways that Mystique tried to get back Rogue was she... um, she shapeshifted into a girl to try to sleep with Gambit, 
to show Rogue that Gambit is a jerk. <laughs> oh my gosh, Mystique. <laughs> so of Girl. course, once once they found out, like it pushed Rogue further from Girl. Mystique because, like, yeah. why are you trying to sleep with my man? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Think it through, please. Right. <laughs> She's that toxic mother who just loves you so much, girl. <laughs> I know. Come to mummy. You come to mummy. <laughs> Back at the manor, Rogue grabs flowers to take to Carol. She brings them to the hospital to give her. Rogue touches Carol's head, and there's a flash of light. Mm. Carol slyly smiles. So what does this mean? Does she have some essence returned to her? Does she have a piece of her soul? Or is it just touching her in the moment? That's what I've always gotten out of it. I've always gotten that um, by touching Carol, it does somehow return some of that essence to her. And also, of course, like the forgiveness aspect. But They do leave it up to interpretation because, spoiler alert, we do not see Carol again in this series. <gasps> oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's crazy because I always remembered this episode and I thought it went further, but that's okay. Well, now I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, interesting fact. I actually did not know this until I was researching this episode, but Mystique is actually no longer voiced by Randall Carpenter in this episode. She's now voiced by Jennifer Hale, who voices (gasps) her through the rest of the series. (gasps) I know that name. She's a very famous voice actor. She is. She's been in a lot. Yes. Including female Shepard in Mass Effect. Oh, I've never played that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should. It's the best. It's it's better than Star Wars. (laughs) Stop it! <laughs> That's, whenever, whenever ask people ask me what like they say Star Wars or Star Trek, I go Mass Effect. <laughs> Actually, Mass Effect was gifted to me by a uh, acquaintance. So I've just never played it. <laughs> it's so good. Number two is the best one, but the whole trilogy is so good. Okay. And there's Andromeda too, but I never finished Andromeda. Anyway, oh, yeah. I know I promised to play Dragon Age, and I still haven't. But I'll also play Mass Effect. <laughs> I mean, they're both they're both Bioware. They're both the same uh, oh. video game, and they're both, they're similar in that way. They're both, so there you go. They go hand in hand. Okay. Um, something else I learned. I actually didn't know this until I was researching Rogue. But in 2016, Chris Claremont, the creator of Rogue, said that had he continued writing X Men, because he was kind of like thrown off of it, because it's kind of that thing where like the comic industry has this habit of not wanting all their big eggs in one basket. So if someone is doing too well, they'll take them off and put somebody else on it and try (laughs) to put them somewhere else, which for better or worse happens all the time. But he says he would have made mystique rogues, actual biological mother. Oh yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. And that would have explained why rogue cares for her so much and why, or why Mystique cares for Rogue so much and why Mystique's always trying to, like, find her. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, girl, would you say this is extreme or X out? I'm going to extreme it. I think it was very good to see Rogue's history and to see where she got her powers and to see the emotional significance of it all uh, for both her and Mystique. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very... 
much a fan of this one. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is something we talked about a lot on Hanging with the Hollowells, which we're not on right now, um, <laughs> about how some of the best villains are the ones who have like a backstory or don't think of themselves as a villain. And I think that's why, like as a child, myself, amongst a lot of other people, were drawn to Mystique because she is a very tragic villain in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would you say is the MXP? (laughs) I I put Jean. What? I know, because she's the one who kind of rescued Rogue in a way. She helped her fight through the whole thing in her mind and helped keep an edge on her and, you know, helped her contained her burden i mean said that had to be ms marvel um in that sense but she helped her because otherwise who knows we could have lost rogue completely and lost ms marvel completely now at least there's still hope for both of them girl i feigned surprise because i chose Jean as well for the same reason (laughs) she was a boss bitch she like grew big in rogue's mind and like took control and helped like trap carol I don't think Rogue would have gotten out she of this without Gene. Yeah. Great. So there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. This is interesting on this rewatch, just how much more I am appreciating Gene. Cause I think for a long time, like people talk about how lame she was in the show. So I just kind of went with that. Mm-hmm. But then when you actually like rewatch it, like she's pretty badass. She's a lot. I mean, first season I can, you can agree with that. She's like kind of whatever, but the second season she is doing so much. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And then, of course, we'll see where she goes third season. Winky face. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I feel the burn. Yes. Okay. (laughs) What would you say is the X factor? (laughs) You might laugh at this, but I put... Might? (laughs) I put Rogue crashing through the floors. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I feel like that's something like all superhero... And X-Men particularly do just just crash through things. And then she went through multiple levels all at once. Like, this is such a like superhero flight moment, X-Men moment. So I had to put it in there. <laughs> yeah. For me, I put uh, the whole like rogue Miss Marvel history just because even if you've never read Avengers or X-Men, you still know about this because of this cartoon. And it's something that people have been, like, demanding to happen in the MCU for a long time. Like, we want to see Rogue take Carol's powers in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it also, Thank like, you. just sets up Rogue as such a cool, tragic character. Yeah. I love the tragic characters. I really do. Mm-hmm. Because they're interesting and layered, and you, you, can, you can feel for them. You're interesting, and you're layered, and I can feel you. I mean, oh. feel for you. <laughs> cool i love it cool so actually just a quick announcement in between episodes um with x-men 97 i mean it was rumored but now it's official that it's not coming out until fall of 2023 that's next year (laughs) uh we are gonna pump the brakes a little this will be the last episode where we do two episodes together unless they connect, then right. we'll most likely do them together. Yeah, if there's like a part one or part two or part three and part four and part five. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably break up the Phoenix saga because altogether it's nine episodes. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know. But yeah, so next week expect just one episode, and then in season three expect just one episode at a time unless they connect. Cool. I like it. All right. Is it time for the next one? It's time for expose. Expose. Let me pull up my my expose character. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I want. Uh, excuse me for a minute here. One momento. <laughs> here we go. Let's go here. Okay. So, oh, oh what, actually, what? something else I want to talk about. I almost forgot. Kevin. Okay. What? I almost forgot to tell you something that didn't work as well for me in a rogue's tale. What? Is the fact that Mystique was the one causing a lot of the psychic distress in Rogue's mind. Mm. Like, it kind of makes sense that she's turning into Carol and showing up, but, like, the fact that that caused the distress is a little loose to me. In the original story, it makes more sense because it's Mastermind who is putting images directly into Rogue's head. See? See? Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because we see Mastermind in this series, but they weren't planning on having him yet, so they use Mystique. So it still makes sense, but I like the Mastermind road better. Okay. All right. Cool. So, on today's second expose for the <laughs> new episode, <laughs> of, we are doing Beast! 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 His name is Dr. Henry Philip Hank McCoy. (laughs) Um, And he was one of the original X-Men. He debuted in X-Men number one in July 1963. Created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Those guys. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And so he's, he's like blue and furry and agile and strong and all those things. So he's really cool. I know Paul from Power of X-Men hates him in the comic books. It's his least favorite character. He thinks he's such a jerk and asshole and stuff. But um, in this 90s series, he's like the nicest guy ever. (laughs) Yeah, Beast, especially in the last couple of years, or I guess 10 years, he's been very questionable because he does a lot of things that people are like, why would you do that? (laughs) Right. Right. But uh, I'll go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm, I'm sad that, you know, he's not a nice guy in the comics. Because mm-hmm. when I see, think of Beast, I always think of this version. And, you know, this version is just so lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, interesting fact, uh, Beast started off not having blue fur. He was actually just uh, gifted right. with agility and big hands and feet. He was just a and, big guy with, like, yeah. normal skin. <laughs> And then um, he was experimenting on his mutation, and that's what caused him to mutate further, growing the blue fur. But on the back end, when this happened in, I believe, the late 70s, early 80s, there was actually a ban from the Comics Authority. You're going to find the Comics Authority are assholes. But um, they said that comic books weren't allowed to have any supernatural creatures because they were deemed too scary for comic books. And this was at a time when, like, Hammer Horror was big. They were remaking, like, Dracula and Wolfman and a lot of those at this time. So, of course, like, Marvel wanted to capitalize on that in any way they could. So they ended up 
going around it by saying, well, he's not a monster. <laughs> he's a mutant who turns into a monster-looking thing. You know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like um, uh, Alan and I laugh because when you go on Space Mountain, there's a sign that says Space Mountain is like a fast-paced roller coaster in the dark. We're like, it's like one? It's not just one? <laughs> <laughs> That is funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. But Beauty and the Beast, this aired January 15th, 1994, written by Stephanie Matheson, directed by Larry Houston. This episode was actually inspired by a movie called City Lights, which I had never heard of, but Julie talked about this in person. Hmm. Have you heard of this? I have not. It's from, I believe, the 30s. It's black and white. It's starring Charlie Chaplin. And he falls in love with a blind girl. So she was watching that, and that's what like kind of gave her the idea for this. I wonder if it's what also inspired the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in, I believe, 1985, there was actually a comic called Beauty and the Beast, which I always thought that that was what inspired this, but she didn't mention it where Beast falls in love with Dazzler, of all people. <laughs> wow. Dazzler is recently, like, um, outed as a mutant, and somebody's trying to take advantage of her, and Beast sees this happening, so he tries to save her, and then she pushes him away, but then they end up getting... It's really bad. <laughs> and they end up together in it, and I was like, Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right, shall we get into this episode? Sure. Okay, scene one. At an eye clinic, Beast is working with Alec to try to cure blindness. blindness. <laughs> <laughs> it says kindness in the notes. <laughs> we need to cure this kindness. It's like getting out of control. <laughs> we can't have that in our vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like thank god she's blind <laughs> yep <laughs> which is also a song in the toxic avenger musical oh really <laughs> yeah yeah did you know toxic avenger had a musical i actually i watched it once on um the broadway hd channel it was okay. fine yeah it's weird but it's great okay yeah um Two people walk in and throw shade for Alec working with a stinking mutant. <laughs> Alec and Beast go to check on their patient, Carly. I blind Carly. Beast blushes when Carly asks for him. <laughs> she, <laughs> she asks Hank to be there when she sees. Yes, when I learn to see. The clinic is attacked like it's January 6th. Ooh, remember, <laughs> remember January 6th. My company, my company where I work for, actually made stickers that says, remember January 6th, because we're a very liberal company. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, I will vote, and then says, remember January 6th. So Nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, Graydon Creed. Graydon Creed! Creed is the, the, the famous name that I... Yes, okay. Is leading the mob to protest Beast working with a human. Beast has Alec take Carly 
and faces the protesters on his own. He easily dispatches them until the cops come. I don't know why I love writing that so much. He easily dispatches them. (laughs) 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 So um, Carly is actually named after Carly and Crocker, who was Luald's friend's two-year-old daughter. So that's kind of cute. That's super cute. And, and I just, uh huh. I was gonna say, I, my my guess for this episode was correct too. <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> I was on a roll. <laughs> but there was something you missed. But we'll talk about that later. But you at least clued in on it, so that's good. Uh huh. Yeah. I just love this guy in the overalls. He's always there, and I'm like, he doesn't look very threatening in his overalls. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Although Beast in his in his lab coat and the glasses, it was sexy to me. That was hot. Really? Yes. I'm like, oh doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh furry doctor. <laughs> it's funny because people talk about sometimes how like because Beast is always just wearing his little panties. Yeah. But sometimes like when somebody's more naked they're not as sexy as like wearing certain things right there's something to do with like you know imagining and you know the whole just adding clothes gives a certain kind of vibe you know i don't know yeah (laughs) back at the manor wolverine is mad as he watches the news that the hospital for the blind was attacked gene demands him to stop before going on a revenge spree she tells Wolverine that by going on a rampage, they're just being the mutants the Friends of Humanity hates. Like a marvelous Galaxy of Disney expert segue, Jean wonders where the professor is. <laughs> <laughs> where is the professor? Oh. Oh. So, yeah, um, scene three. In the Savage Land, the Professor and Magneto wade through the water, the purple water. (laughs) They are caught in a net. Enter Amphibious, and the Savage Land mutates. Okay, I was obsessed with Amphibious. I don't remember him ever, but I saw him. I'm like, this is like... Sexy Mutant Ninja Reptar. I'm like, amazing. Sexy Mutant Ninja Reptar? <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What did you find sexy about him? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I just, because it was, well, I think of like, well, I was thinking of Reptar from Rugrats, the little toy Reptar. Right. But, but he grew up and got muscles. And but he's like a ninja turtle because he's a mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> so it was like sexy, sexy mutant ninja reptile, sexy mutant ninja reptile. I can't with you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was. I don't know. I really dug him. I don't know something about it. Um, <laughs> he shoots them with a stun gun. The two ex mutants wake up tied and bound on a raft. The oh. raft. Oh, yes, bound and tied and rafty. Um, it's, <laughs> the raft is attacked by two Loch Ness monsters and the two men escape. <laughs> so I'm in my hotel in Santa Barbara for work. And last night I went down a rabbit hole where I watched this whole thing about like searching for the Loch Ness monster. So it was on my mind, Kevin. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. 
somehow whenever I'm with a coworker, because um, right now we have to travel in pairs while we do this assignment, um, I always end up talking about like conspiracy theories and the supernatural and all this shit with them. <laughs> <laughs> I bring it out of people. <laughs> you know? So uh, we have a cameo. So Amphibious, which we're going to see a lot more throughout this season. He was in X or first appeared in X Men 62 in November of 1969, and he was created by Roy Thomas and Neil Adams. So, this was in a weird time for the X Men comic after um, Stan Lee wasn't writing it anymore, but it was moved on to these other writers and it started not selling as well. So it kind of shut down from 1970 to 1975. And 75 is when we got Storm, Colossus, Wolverine, Nightcrawl, that whole team. Okay. Which revived it. Yes. And Amphibious, I really like this because in the comics as well, Magneto experiments on people in the Savage Land, turning them into mutants. So even though this is an original story in the show, it's still pulled from elements of the comics. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Wolverine wanders through an alley, but discreetly in a hat and glasses. He throws two <laughs> trash cans and demands for someone's attention. He falls to the ground, and two FOH come out to find him on the ground. Incognorine blames a mutant for attacking him. The Trump supporters take him inside. Oh, discreetly through a window. <laughs> discreetly through. You remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. kind of like, like, why is he beating up the rail, though? I understand he's trying to make it look like he's fighting, but he was doing some random shit here. <laughs> <laughs> Scene five. Mm-hmm. Back at the hospital, Beast incognitely. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean I make up words? I love it. It's like incognito, but the verb version. (laughs) Which exists. No, yeah. Incognito. No, I guess it's an adverb. No, adjective. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Incognitedly walks into the clinic. Alec. Tells him the boy don't want Beast working there anymore because he is a danger to the patients. Alec opens the director's door to reveal that Carly's dad is there complaining about Hank. What a loser. Beast agrees to leave, but he wants to say bye to Carly first. (laughs) Bye. All right, six. Beast enters Carly's room. She instantly knows it's him from his aftershave, which his face is still hairy, so (laughs) I don't understand that one. I mean, she can just feel his face. Yeah. (laughs) Carly reveals she knows Hank is a mutant, and she doesn't care. She gets upset when Hank tells her he can't be there for her surgery. Carly cries as Hank leaves. She was looking forward to seeing him with her eyes. Oh, 
Yes, see me with your eyes. I think I still think of Toxic Avenger. There's a song in Toxic Avenger where she's like blind, but she's like, Hey Shaniqua, I met this fine man. Shut up, girl. I got to call Diane. And she's like, my big French boyfriend. Wow. Because she all she can do is smell him, so she thinks he's French. Okay, okay. Anyway, sorry for the tangent there. Um, but yeah, we never go on tangents. I don't forgive you. <laughs> oh, never. Savon? No. Savon. Okay. Back at the manor, Beast sits and reads. But hopefully not. You can never go home again. <laughs> maybe, maybe Rogue gave him a new title. You can never love her. You feel the new title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <beautiful. laughs> oh no it's it's his family photos looking through his life as a blue friend of his family oh and he was a, he was a sexy little teenager too yep oh sexy blue teenager <laughs> gene walks in with food to comfort beast he looks at his reflection <laughs> he's like let me walk to the mirror throws the book in anger Um, (laughs) he breaks down crying that he wasn't born normal (laughs) Um, Beast admits to Gene that he loves Carly Gene pushes Beast to let Carly decide if Beast is too dangerous to be with or not um Jokes aside, this was a really beautiful scene. (laughs) 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 It was a little random because he just like he walks so delicately to the mirror. Like, oh no! (laughs) It's just so funny. Uh, (laughs) But um. I I was I was getting a little teary eyed at this scene. It was I mean I thought the acting besides that crazy scream um, was really good. I thought his voice acting was nice and I and I felt for him a lot. And then you know he's like I just want to be normal. Oh, and then Jean, ever so wise, she's like, why don't you decide what's best for her? Let her you know talk to her. I'm like, see. Be the savior, Gene. You are amazing. <laughs> yeah. And this is like such an easy metaphor for so many things, for oh queer, gosh, yeah. for transgender, for, you know, being a different race than mm-hmm. what's accepted in your country. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the clinic, Carly's operation is ready. Alec comes to get her. Beast enters the building. Alec defies the rules and allows Beast to stay. Carly sees Beast for the first time, and she's taken with his beauty, which makes her the Beast. Carly's dad <laughs> walks in and demands Beast to leave. Carly stands up for him. Beast leaves rather than take away from the joy of Carly seeing. Outside the room, Beast hands Alec a present for Carly. <gasps> so sweet. This was so sweet. And once again, we see like our hero kind of being like the martyr. Like, I want to be mm-hmm. here with her more than anything, but not like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. All right. See, nine. As he's leaving, Beast hears Alec call out for help. 
He rushes back into the room to find that it has been almost instantly attacked and vandalized with next to no noise. Yeah, for reals. It's like, it was like two seconds. And it's like, I'm going to write stupid profanities on the wall. I'm going to knock her father down. I'm going to trap her in this car. I'm going to like, <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the attacks take, attackers take off with Kylie. Aww. Oh, noes. Oh, noes. Beast throws water on Carly's father to wake him. Beast takes out his anger on the dad and rushes off to find her. And you better come with me if you want to find her. Mm-hmm. So this was interesting because we do see Beast kind of like lose it, which is something we don't really see him do in yeah. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Do you think it was warranted? Yes. Where <laughs> shizzle my nizzle, like that's it's 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 you know everybody has their breaking points so yeah and he's right if the dad would let him just stay he could have protected her in that moment mm-hmm. but because mm-hmm. of the father like and yeah. people like the father she got taken mm-hmm. at an evil auditorium wolverine sits and talks with Graydon. wolverine says some anti-mutant hate hate stuff to convince Graydon he's a butt face Incognorine says he knows he knew a creed about 20 years ago. Winky face. Graydon says the other creed couldn't be related to him. He was raised in Canada. So is that, bub? Mm, I was like, oh. Oh, Canada. Yeah. So did you see what was going on at this point? Yes. Okay, okay. So you were like, curse you, Sean, for lying to me. I was the wise. Because well, I mentioned, I'm like, I know Victor Creed. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I should have put, put them together then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 12. Beast and Daddy Douchebag. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, speed through the streets at night to find Carly. Beast calls Scott to tell him what's up. Cyclops tells Beast that Jubilee and Jean are here to help. <laughs> Beast remembers Jubilee going to the headquarters and asks where it is. It's at the abandoned veterans building. Jean, Scott, and Jubilee <laughs> <laughs> prepare to meet Beast there. Just then, Wolverine calls in. He says he's at the old veterans building. He vows to find Carly, but he needs the portable cerebro projector and a file disc on an old buddy of his. 90s moment. <laughs> yes. This 90s moment. <laughs> you got mail. 90s moments. Whatever this old file disc is, it just sounds 90s. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> It has to be. <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> Back at the FOH headquarters, Graydon has Carly tied up. He's asking her how long she's known Beast. He tries to tell her all mutants are evil. Oh, no. Oh, no. Craziness. <gasps> Meanwhile, Beast sneaks into the facility. FOHers run at him but he easily takes them out. In another room, Wolverine asks where Graydon is. The fight with Beast rages on in the other room. An alarm goes off, and everyone runs to fight. 
Beast leaves Wolverine alone to continue his search. He finds a creative way to unlock a door and finds Creed holding Carly hostage. Graydon shoots at Wolverine. An F.O.H.er enters taking Creed's attenciones. Wolverine takes down both men and frees Carly. Beast comes in, exhausted. Wolverine picks him up and leads Carly to safety. Aww. Aww, so sweet. Yeah, I really liked Wolverine in this moment. Like, he Mm -hmm. was just so easy about saving them both and so, like, careful to save them both. So, kudos to you, Wolvie. You go. You go, girl. You go, Glenn Coco. (laughs) 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 The trio are ambushed in a hallway. They prepare to open fire when suddenly Gene, Scott, and Jubilee come to the rescue. Jubilee points out how weird it is to see Wolverine thinking while Beast goes berserk. She turns on the projector. Professor X's voice rings out as Sabretooth is projected on the walls. We hear that Sabretooth's real name is Graydon Creed Sr. Graydon Jr. throws a fit as his men abandon him. Mutant scum! Oh, I didn't realize they called him Graydon Creed Sr. That's not right. Yeah, because you are correct. His name is Victor Creed, but they changed it to just to make it more obvious in the show that, like, without yeah. a doubt, <laughs> they are related. They have the same name. He's got the same name as me. You are not my father. You are not my father. You are the father, Maury. <laughs> well, actually, and it's funny you say that because we will have an episode later where we find out more about who the mother is. <laughs> <laughs> 16 mm-hmm. Beast and Carly walk away from the ordeal Carly wearing hospital robe chic <laughs> Beast tells Carly that as long as he is a mutant He can't be with her Without her always being in danger Carly's dad pulls up to pick her up He is thankful to Beast for saving her Carly and her dad go to the car together Together <laughs> so sad it's heartbreaking like do you think beast did the right thing by not being with her i mean this is something that comes up a lot too like in charmed where it's like oh you know do i have to like sacrifice this for their safety but you see that henry and Paige do it they work work it out Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think Oh, I do, but I I do, I do agree with him, but it's still hard. <laughs> I think the only way it could work is if Carly were to move into the X mansion, right. so that like they could all collectively watch her. But even then, it's like people are constantly going in and out, like going right. off to battles. So that's a hard life, and it's also constantly exploding. And who knows if she <laughs> might be inside? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, so this is probably the right decision now. I think part of me wants them to address this, like, in X-Men 97 and, like, have them get back together. See? See? I mean, there's so many little things they can retread and, like, tell us more and get back to. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. This is Carly's only episode, so we don't get any closure to this. Oh, God. So I'm just wondering at this point, since I know you've watched the show before, but you don't remember it as well. So at this point in season two, since we've had a lot of more one-off episodes, like what's your feeling so far? 
I mean, I still, I don't know. I don't know if I ever feel any other way because I can do the arc, see, I can do the arc episodes that connect or I can do the standalone ones. I mean, I'm enjoying it no matter what. I mean, because yeah. you, know, you can see Charmed. Trump had a mixture of standalone Demon of the Week stuff and then went to arcs. And so, you know, I'm I'm on board for whatever stories they want to tell me, I guess. Yeah, I feel like it was really exciting in season one to see, like like we said, the 13 mutants that, excuse me, that went missing, or 11 mutants that we find out later at Genosha, and then that ties ahead to The Cure. So it just constantly, like, ties ahead. So I don't think the show misses anything because it's. I feel like season two has some really good writing, yeah. but I do kind of miss that whole kind of wink, wink, nod, nod. I'm hoping that's what we get more in X-Men 97. Right. And I guess... I don't need anything. I don't need episodes to be necessarily continuous. I like when they have callbacks to old episodes. So I would love like something like this, even though it's standalone, to be you know addressed later. So I, I mean, there's some like long lasting continuity. Yeah, if that makes sense, you know. Okay. Okay. Cool. So would you say this one is extreme or X out? Oh, I'm going to extreme this one too. I thought it was so emotional and so moving and so powerful and relevant to today. Um, yeah, it's just, and it, you know, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's such a great episode. I think for me, like, it's not one that I would seek out to watch, like, if I'm going to just randomly watch some episodes. Yeah. But, like, whenever I do watch them, this is so good. <laughs> and who who would you say is the MXP? I was tempted to say Jean again <laughs> because of the way that she told Beast to go after it. But I inevitably chose Beast um, just because, well, I guess I'll get into it when I get to the X Factor because my reason for choosing Beast is because of my X Factor moment. Okay, okay. <laughs> I chose, it, I went in between two. I was going to say Beast, but I inevitably went with Wolverine just because of the way like he showed restraint, like he actually listened to Jean. So it shows how much he loves her and he actually like went incognito. Like he used his brain (laughs) and then he was so caring and saving Carly and beast. So, and then the way he like subdued Graydon by thinking to bring that projection, like that was smart. Yeah. That's nice of him. We see another side of Wolvie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What's your X factor? Okay. So my X factor is Beast's whole arc. Because this is absolutely a turning point for Beast. Like, in the past, he always gave everyone the benefit of the doubt, and he would defend those who hated him. He would, he would like, see the good in people or give people a chance. Um, and he always seemed content and unashamed about his mutation. He, like, he, had, he was never shy about it. He was very open about it. Um, but here, you see how much pain it has often brought him. And how he, how much he wants to be normal sometimes because he knows it would be easier, uh, and, with, and that goes along with what we're saying: all the minorities and the in the gays and everything like that. Um, so here you see, like, he is going through something, and he's he will fight for what his causes are. He will have those torturous moments, and then the sacrifice he makes makes sure Carly is safe. But what's more, what's really impressive is you know. Carly's dad came around. He changed his mind. And if he can change one mind, perhaps 
it's like a another turning point for him being able to change others' minds. Like this is like the start of something that could be much bigger. So it's just a whole beautiful arc all around, and it's very representative of X Men in general and the causes of everything. So that's why I chose that as the X Men. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That was a lot, but it was very pointed and very um, beautiful for you to notice that, especially I think you're right. Seeing Beast through his actions change the father's opinion, even after kind of wailing on him. Like, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. And you're right. That's the whole thing with this episode is seeing, like, even if somebody else is okay with you, like, Carly did not care at all. Like, she's a stand-up person for seeing Beast for who he is, but love is sometimes not enough like you have to deal with everybody else in the world and sometimes it's not that easy unfortunately so that whole this whole episode is very much what x-men stands for yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) cool all right so would you you like your yeah mine was along with yours the uh oh yeah that's right okay same thing okay yeah, that's if I didn't get that out of this episode, I would question my intellect. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I like this episode because the friends of humanity are in it, and they beat up mutants. And <laughs> I can't even be that first. Stinking mutant. <laughs> Stinking <Yeah>. mutant. <laughs> um, so my Spotify question, I feel like, is kind of a. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like people need to write in on this one because it's not a yes or no, but I really am wondering because I've had this theory for a while. My question is, do you think a kid watching episodes like this one has effect on how they view other people in their life? Mm, I would say yes. I mean, it will either reaffirm because I feel like children themselves have no biases. They, they pretty much, are universally loving of everybody because they, they see somebody and that's a, a friend to them. Um, so children are usually taught their bigotry from their environment and the, the people they grew up with. So um, I feel like this would just reaffirm that everybody is great. And then, you know, they, they just see a, a guy being mean, like that's not nice. And so I think that's just, <laughs> it just further instills the values that I think kids naturally have. Yeah, I would definitely agree because um, this is something that I've talked about. This is something that they've talked about on Radical Radical Retro Rewind podcast is like, especially our generation, we grew up mm-hmm. with like Captain Planet, the Care Bears, X-Men, yeah. like all these cartoons <laughs> where it's very like love everybody. Like we have a lot of different colored people. We have a lot of other people. So, yeah, I just always wonder like did myself and those that are around me who like the same stuff, like, is that why we are the way we are today? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So I'm looking forward to hearing everybody else's opinion on that. And I'm looking forward to next week's episode, Kevin, because I want to see your opinion on Mojo Vision. (laughs) Mojo Vision. Oh, oh. So I have to say what that's about? Yeah. What's it about? I mean, I know who Mojo is. Okay, okay. I okay. I thought this happened more when they got into space, but maybe he just sucks them up somehow because he's like, I need entertainment for my space peoples, my alien friends. And so he probably just like captures the... Because I, I think I remember this episode, if it's the one I think about it. He captures the X-Men and makes them fight gladiator style for his reality show. 
Uh, it's pretty close, but I'm not going to okay. say what the part okay. that you're missing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is, um, according to Eric's book, this is one of the most like zaniest episodes of the series and one that not everybody loves. But the people okay. who do love it really love it because it is different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to us this week. Uh, next week, again, just one episode, just Mojo Vision. And then we do the last two episodes reunion together in one episode. And that's it for season two. But if you have nothing else to listen to between today and next Friday, you can listen to me on Once Upon a Cult or Marvelous Galaxy of Disney. Or you can listen to Kevin and me on old episodes of Hanging with the Hollowells. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, cool. All those things. Uh, you can also find me at Words of the Witches. Today, in fact, if this is released, uh, we have Phoebe Who coming out. <laughs> Phoebe Who? Is she related to Betty Who? <laughs> Betty Who? Phoebe Who? Who'd that be? So we have a beautiful new story that's Phoebe-centric. And then we also, uh, at the end of the episode, we talk about our five with me and my guests, our five favorite Phoebe moments of the series. So, Yay, I'll definitely be listening, girl. I'm all caught up on your show. Oh, thank you. I, just need to, I, I need to finish the uh, Once Upon a Cult. I'm listening behind me, but otherwise I'm caught up. So <laughs> 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 Alright, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.